Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, hello there again, listener, on a beautiful, beautiful Melbourne day. We're very close to the vernal equinox, so very close, sort of more or less like when we see spring as spring as the season, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. We're in the Southern Hemisphere and we have our own seasons. I believe there are eight in the year in in Melbourne, according to the careers, and they should know. And they they know the seasons better than than we do. But it's time now, whatever the season, for left after breakfast here on Three CR, your only radio left. Susanna Duffy here with you this morning, as always, and. Joined by my co-host, Glenn. Good heavens. Good morning, Glenn. G'day, Susanna. And of course, great listeners. Once again, Friday morning here at Vox Popular is your co-host from CoHealth. I, I got to support. You're standing up there, Glenn. Well, we've been doing a fair bit of work at sedentary work processes. I mean, it's a health and safety issue. Sitting on your desk, sitting on your ass all day at your desk, affects your back. Your shoulders, but your eyesight lead to weight gain. So um, I, I try to encourage, and I've been working at policy work. It's a, it's a work in progress, but doing a bit more standing at your desk, walking around. You know, it's an overheatedness issue. So let's look at it. And um, I think I'd set an example today in the studios by standing. Even uh, at my height, you can't tell the difference. Well, I can tell the difference because I'm actually sitting, but I've got to drive the panel here. If the panel were up higher mm-hmm. and tilted on another angle, sort of like the cockpit of a... Oh no, I don't know. It was something well, like, something uh, like a spaceship. A number you of know, colleagues at work have had their, their, their desktops, their, their computers raised. There's at least two or three colleagues at work have standing desks where can, their computers have been raised higher. They can compute while they're standing. They and can it makes, compute. They, they it can compute. not Like computer games. <laughs> yeah, well... It's a bit like Star Trek. They stand in Star Trek, except for the one who sits in the main seat in the middle of the, the bridge. But not to worry, not to worry. I like to see people standing. It's not just health and safety. It's, I see uh, it causes, the, let's say, 18,000 deaths per year. What's that being overweight? Sitting. Yeah, it does, yeah, because well, well, it's like eating. I tend to eat my meals when I'm standing too. It helps you digest far better. Well, I've been eating meals standing up for many years since I was a young thing. That's I, not that far back. Oh, thank you. What was it for five years, maybe? Thank you, Glenn. Oh, he's so lovely, isn't he? The difference between Glenn and the sort of comments I get toward myself and the bag man. It's just, well, comparisons are odious. Yes, they chalk are. Chalk and cheese, my dear. But, yeah, chalk and cheese. Yeah, look, don't enough. forget, today is the 42nd anniversary of the, the coup and the murder of a democratically elected president of Chile, Salvador Allende. This day, 42 years ago, the military, backed by the US, came to power. This man had been elected president of the people. It was a coup. He was killed and 30,000 children would die. So September 11 must always be in our mind. Good heavens. Mm. You know, I had forgotten. How can you forget September 11? I don't know how I could forget, but I forgot. I actually forgot that. And, and And of course... Is it 42 years? 42 years since the American orchestrated coup in the, of the democratically elected government of Salvador Allende. And around we two years later... It was only a couple of years later that that's right. at least we weren't all piled in, into a stadium and slaughtered well, and Goff wasn't was on the cards here. I mean, well, look, we, we've the never... the same people, like the same three men. We, we've never known the specifics behind that. I mean, we know... Also, in the late 40s, there was a, a mobilize, alleged mobilisation of the Australian military under the government, to oppose the government chiefly. Again, this is all hard to find. Look, the great book about the 1930s, the, um, the wonderful book by Michael Cathcart, Defending the National Tuck Shop, by the right-wing the armies mm, in Victoria and New South Wales. But, uh, there's been a long history in, look, any elected government that dares question... The unsurpassed paid capital runs the risk of suffering a coup. And Ainday trod on too many toes. And he was um he was murdered, as with thirty thousand shillings on this day forty two years ago. So never forget September eleven. No, and I never should and I'm really sorry. I'm angry with myself for forgetting it. 
It was just shows you how my life is these days. I spent, I spent, you know, three or four days trying to, can I use an awful word here? Veganize, veganize mm-hmm. some uh, popular Italian food. Sounds good to me. Some dishes, you know, trying, and it's not easy trying to. I'm so veganized. It's terrible, but it's, but you know, but for want of a better, I'll use it and I'll be putting well you know it's for the feast of Santinario mm. so um which is traditionally you know big thick heavy chunky pasta stuff so mm. the, but chili uh it slipped in my mind but I do mm. remember 42 years ago and all those people came here mm. they fled they were refugees they fled here they wouldn't get in our sport no they would never bloody no when you get in there, because we've, we've stopped the boats. Wouldn't have the hope of a pork chop at the rabbi's bloody picnic, would they? Okay, on that note, we'll change subjects, please. Well, so, yes. <laughs> we, we do have friends who listen to us who don't agree with our sort of comments. I'd be very, I'd be very careful walk on eggshells right now. <laughs> Walking on eggshells? Yes. Because we're saying that the people from Chile who fled no, they have stuff about, would not about get pork chops. And about who, the pork chops. Yes. Well, they haven't got the hope of a snowball in hell. That's a better one, yes. It's, very, it's a very Catholic one. Absolutely. Now, speaking of Catholics, oh, please. I, I'm going to speak to you a bit about the origins of a name of a little town just on the northern outskirts of Melbourne, about, I don't know, 40 clicks out of Melbourne, a town called Donnybrook. Yes, I know Donnybrook. Mm. I know Donnybrook well. Well, Donnybrook was um, the first... Trip... And watch it, because otherwise we'll get into a Donnybrook. Well, I'll discuss what it's called about. Why, why is Donnybrook called Donnybrook? Now, Donnybrook was first seen by Europeans by a human hobble in the mid-1820s when they headed oh, down the from... the old human hobble. Yeah, they went from Sydney to Port well, Phillip. Well, th- they didn't see it then because it wasn't there. Well, okay. They saw what became called Donnybrook in 1824. Nice, pleasant little spot. And around the end of the 1830s, started in the 1840s, the area which is now the city of Whittlesea, just north of Melbourne, was yeah. settled by Europeans. And um, they set up places such as um, Kinloch U. Uh, Maryang, known as Mercer's Vale, Beveridge, and where my family settled in the late 1840s, Woodstock. After Woodstock, things will never be the same again. No. Well, Maryang, Maryang Road is now called, well, was called Mercer's Vale, and Donnybrook was called Kinlock U. And, um, yeah, Kinlock. Kinlock U. It's a, it's a Scottish Gaelic name, I assume. K I N L O C H E W. Kinlock U. I imagine it's Scottish, it's Scottish Gaelic. Well, Kinloch is. Yeah. And I opened a post office in Kinloch U in 1850. Sheep keep out. This Mm. means you. It does mean you. Kinloch, let me get you. Keep out. Anyway, in Kinloch U, 1850, and there's a post office there. And it became known as Donnybrook from 1854 to 1874. Then it became renamed Calcalo. And you'd know yourself, if you're heading south... It's not the, called Donnybrook anymore, it's called Calcalo. Cal- Donnybrook's still there, but the boundaries have moved. Like, so you know yourself, if you're heading south into Melbourne, you come out from, like, you know, Coralbury, on the Hume, your first sign of the outskirts of Melbourne was a Calcalo Hotel. Yes, now that I do know. Hmm. So Kinloch U became Donnybrook, became Calcalo. But the boundaries of Calcalo changed, and Calcalo became closer, off the Hume, which became... Calcalo, uh, and we know the train station was established there in oh, 1870s. The train line of Sydney was certainly 1870s, and where the station was became called Donnybrook, which is the area we now know as Donnybrook. So the old Kinloch U became Donnybrook, it's now Calcalo, and where the railway goes through, where the train stops, is Donnybrook. And I've known myself, uh. I've been in the bar of a Donnybrook Hotel playing pool on the pool table, and the train, you think it's in, in, in the next room, but train is so close to the walls of the bar at Donnybrook Hotel, you almost duck out the way. I was thinking Donnybrook used to be a long way away. It, oh, it yeah. was, well, when I was at school, I mean, when I was at college, mm. and that meant primary school, we had uh, two girls who came, who lived there in Donnybrook, and they had the, they got a special school bus yeah. that stopped on the Hume Highway, mm. picked up the two girls yeah. and a boy who went to St Bernard's and yeah. another boy who went um, to Essendon Grammar, and they drive them down because Donnybrook was miles away. It was in it the was. country. It, it was, was in the bloody bush, in other words. Mm. You know, it was beyond the black stump almost. Just about on the edge of the black stump. Right. right yes, of course. Right on the edge of whoop, whoop. But Donnybrook, listen, the area, the boundaries kept changing. It's a suburb now. Yeah, it's an outer suburb. It's sort of, it's bound to its... Uh, 
bound to its west by the Merry Creek and to be east is Darabin Creek. Between the Merry really? Creek and the Darabin Creek. Well, so, so I could walk to Donnybrook. Yeah, if you get your shoes on, you start walking. I could wandering. just walk up yeah. the creek. It does. It flows all the way down through Clifton Hill, Brunswick, Darabin Reservoir, Epping, Thomastown, Layla, up to Donnybrook. So mm. Donnybrook and Darabin Creek have two boundaries of what's the modern day... Do- Modern, Darabin and Mary Creek are the two boundaries of modern-day Donnybrook. I hadn't realised that. I'm glad I found that. And actually, I have walked from my house, oh, my God, up the creek. I've gone up the creek, up uh, to Coburg. And that was uh, an outing in itself, and I had to uh, rest a full day after after it. Well, Don, you didn't have a full month's rest. But then, I, but, then I could, but then I could follow the creek up past Coburg, yeah. up to Donnybrook. <gasps> I wonder if it, wonder if it was possible to walk that way. I don't know how far. I mean, look, there used to be a group I was involved with in the nineties called Friends of Mary Creek, and Ray Rayford yeah, well, was still a there. Okay, I've, I've been out of touch for many years. I mean, Donnybrook is sort of based between the Donnybrook Post Office opened in eighteen eighty nine, the railway station in the eighteen seventies, and that's where modern Donnybrook is. And um, why is it called Donnybrook? What's its origins? Hang on, just one more mm-hmm. thing. It's on the train line. Does the train stop at Donnybrook? Yes, there's a station there. So I could just pop on the train you one day indeed. and go out and have a look at the Donnybrook pub myself. You get the train up to on the Seymour line. The, 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 the line of Sydney goes through there, yeah. plus the more direct Seymour line. Yeah, well, I don't. Well, the line to Sydney it wouldn't stop at Donnybrook. No, it doesn't. It? But the that, Seymour one does. But the Seymour line would. Well, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do that within the next. Well, I'll do it this month because I like a destination. Well, if you have a game of pool in the bar, you'll hear a train go, woo, straight uh, past I'll you. I'll check my friend Sandra. Bar, the bar rattles. And see if she wishes to come with me. Sandra and I go mm. up. We go up on the other line. We go up to all those little places north to Ballarat and get off. That's all, west. And get that northwest. <laughs> All right, it's Bendigo. And That's we, northwest. And, and, and we get off all the little stations there and have a look. Well, I think we might try Donnybrook. So, hello, good morning to everyone living in Donnybrook, and I hope to see your lovely little town soon. But Glenn is going to tell mm. me why it's called Donnybrook. Well, how did the name originate? It's an old Gaelic term, and it's called, uh, my Gaelic is very poor, even though my background's Irish, Donnybrook. Donnybrook. I would say Donnybrook which is the Church of St. Brock. And Donnybrook is a district of Dublin, the capital of Ireland. It's one of around 100 small villages that help comprise Dublin, being around 2k from the heart of the capital. Donnybrook is adjacent to the River Liffey on the southern side of Dublin, being the home of the Irish state broadcaster Radio Telephys Erin, and Ireland's largest university, the College in Dublin, being based there. Donnybrook is one of the, um, the more trendy suburbs in modern Dublin. And Donnybrook has a very famous cemetery. This is Donnybrook Island, not Donnybrook, Victoria. But Donnybrook Cemetery was founded by Sir Brock way back in the 8th century. It was interesting, though. There's a bit of a paradox here. The cemetery has there's two sites. There's a Catholic church adjacent and a Protestant church adjacent, both called St Mary's. So there's Donnybrook Cemetery bound by a Catholic church and a Protestant church who are both St Mary's. So please make sense of that. How nice. And the wall on the southern side of a Donnybrook Cemetery is the oldest human structure in Donnybrook. Donnybrook. I just looked it up. Donnybrook. Yep. Of course. Go on, shoot. Yeah, well, it's pronounced the same way we say Donnybrook. Donnybrook. Yeah. Now, but people may have heard the term Donnybrook used in the context. Yeah, go on. And it's the home of um, RTE. Yes, that's what I said. Sorry, I thought you said... Radio Telephus Eden. Oh, well, I just know it as RTE. Radio Telephus Eden. Yeah, because I listen to their programs sometimes Hmm. and I watch... Little little sort of little videos of their programs on YouTube. They're terrific listener mm. watching the little. Uh, well, it's very similar to Radio Three CR. Mm. Yeah. Well, RTE Three CR. We've got R's in them, haven't they? They've they got R's. Yeah. <laughs> I recommend it. Now, often people hear the term Donnybrook is in the context of a, a violent event. A, it's a, a fight. public argument, is it? I well, thought of Donnybrook was an argument you had in public. Like I could be arguing with my brother or my cousin or something, and my nana would say, "No." Donny Brooks here. Well, so she didn't want the neighbours to hear yeah, us. I've done some reading and research, and what I've found here, a lot of people hear Tim Donnybrook mentioned the context of a violent event. Ah. Now, this is based on occurrences on the old Donnybrook fairgrounds from a long time ago. 
The Donnybrook Fair can be traced back to the early 13th century. And the fair was a fairly random fair in agricultural products, livestock, and over the centuries it changed from an ordinary fair to um, fun, enjoyment, drinking, pastimes. And eventually the more drinking, the more pastimes, the old fair degenerated into a disorderous process. And Donnybrook Fair became infamous for high levels of violence and excessive alcohol consumption. So this whisk gave rise to the term Donnybrook, meaning brawler fracas. The, finally, the fair was banned in 1855. Ah, oh, I was going to ask you whether, whether it was still going. Well, it went from the 13th century, which is 1200, yeah, yeah. to 1855. It was banned by the, the good folk of the town, the good burghers of the town. That's and, a long time for a nice mm, fair. Well, 600 years. And mm. there's no real evidence of the fair's history, apart from a supermarket called Donnybrook Fair on the main street of Donnybrook. A supermarket? Called Donnybrook Fair. So it's probably built on the fairgrounds. It'd be like, you yeah. know, demolishing uh, Victoria Park, having a... Uh, I don't know, big, I.J. Vic Park or something, you know? Oh, it wouldn't be I.J. Vic Park, I can assure you. It'd be one of the big ones. Oh, so far as a Coles Vic Park. Yeah. But Donnybrook, there's two... That Donnybrook... is Coles, isn't it? Uh, no, Woolworths is Safeway, isn't it? Oh, well, all right, same thing. Same capitalists. Anyway, there's two Donnybrooks in Australia, as well as our local Donnybrook here in Victoria. There's one in the southwest of WA. There's a couple of Donnybrooks in the US and a few communities about name in South Africa. So Donnybrooks have gone from Dublin to South Africa to Australia to America. So that's my idea. The They've gone from the church yep. in the, the county of, of Leinster. No, and where yep. was it? I, it Outside Dublin. It's, yeah, it's one of the villages. It's 2K from the heart of Dublin. Well, it's, it's one, of, one of the old villages of Dublin. And I guess the it's church, gone from a church it means to the church a of St. Brock. It's gone from a church to a fair. A cemetery. So they have two churches, my dear. There's a Catholic church and a Presbyterian church. Yeah, but both called St. Mary adjacent to the cemetery. But which one was called, which one outside Dublin was called Donab, which was the church of St. Brock? You would imagine the Catholic one. Yes, especially in the 13th century. That's all there was, there was in no the 13th Protestants century. There was no until the 17th century. Good Lord. Yes. The Protestants came years later to Ireland. Yes. Yeah, so, 13th century. But they've still claimed St. Mary's church is theirs. So Please, don't, don't, let's ask me explain why. Hang on. So Donnybrook was the church. There's the church. So it went from being the church of St. Brock mm. to being a fair, to being... Um, a church, cemetery, fair, fracas, violence, drinking. To, uh, to towns in just outside of Melbourne and in South Africa. And um, the US. And the USA. Well, of course, there would be some in the USA. Indeed. He's given me something uh, to read here, and I'll read it a little bit later. Well, let me just hit the fact that Donny Brook, the Church of St. Brock, D-O-M-N, where is it? D-O-M-N-A-C-H, which is Donny. And B-R-O-C, the Church of St. Brock. But I'm interested in that the church is very similar to the Italian word for Duomo, which is the church. Well, it's a cathedral. Well, they've both got Latin origins, even though they're No, orig- they don't have Latin origins. Oh, you reckon? No, okay. no, no, no. They don't have Latin origins. They have the same origin in the proto-European language. Okay. It's, well, Italian is Latin. Hmm. It's just sort of bastardised down. Well, that's a word. You can use that word. Don't look at me like that, Glenn, please. <laughs> How else can I look at you? How else can I look at you apart from that matter? I can say bastardise. It's, <laughs> it's not a bad word. It just means the language has been sort of roughened around the edges and... You know, it's not the true language. It's sort of the bastard. Anyway, no, so Italian is Latin. But both it, both Latin and the Irish Gaelic are both come from the Proto-European language, which was spoken uh, around Persia, India way. It's a language which is now gone, but we know it's there mm-hmm. because of the other languages that point at it. No, that, that's... So definitely, Irish Gaelic is definitely not a Latin-based language. It's older. It is, oh, I'm not saying... Hang on. There are certain words in Gaelic that have been adapted from Latin. The language itself is not Latin-based. There are terms like conestatal. Yeah. You can go to the Philippines. You can hear comestar or in Spain, comestar. So there's similar words like how are you in those languages. How's it similar? going? Or how yeah. is it yeah. being? How is so, it being? But there's, there's maybe in the in the Gallic lexicon, there might be 40 or 50 words out of a, out of thousands of words that have a Latin basis. Oh, that well, they could have been brought across by the, uh, the sort of religious. Yeah. The religious, the early orders. as they were called in... Um, 
seventh that, century. Or the the f- ones who kept civilization alive when Europe fell into flames. The, the French were going across early on. The French were visiting the coasts of Ireland. I meant, no, not even seventh century. Uh, it was uh, sixth century, wasn't it, when the Irish started to write down, keep their books, write them down, and kept as it, the flame of civilization alight while the, yes, the, while the rest of Europe fell into pitch black darkness and yes glenn i must you you must read the book how the irish saved civilization it's okay. a fantastic book have you read it listener oh it's a fun book um i've forgotten the name of the author how terrible of me but it's one of these books called um hinges of history and it's my second favorite my, my first favorite from this book from this series called hinges of history is sailing the wine dark sea with so naturally, Lord. it's about Greece yeah. from the wine dark sea, and it explains how our world, our worldview is Greek, our science is Greek, everything, I... everything we do t- this very moment is Greek. And the next favourite one is how the Irish saved civilization. And without the Irish, we wouldn't have known what in any of those Greek bloody now, mathematicians or philosophers. Sailing that wine dark sea, that sea into sea with the same sea the owl and the pussycat went to sea on? I don't think so, because, no, they went to... Um, it, was a, it was a pea blue, pea green... No, it was a pea green boat. Which sea did the owl and the pussycat go on? The owl and the pussycat went to sea in a beautiful pea green boat. God, they a... took some honey and plenty of money. I forgot. Wrapped up in a five-pound... They took some money and plenty of honey wrapped up in a five-pound note. I don't know what sea I they were on. I have forgotten that nursery I've got scant recollection of it. That's... That shows my age, doesn't the it? The wine dark sea is Homer, of course. But then he may have been colour confused. She may have been colour blind. Okay. So she might have been blue. Well, the Mediterranean that he was sailing in and around the Ionian, they're, they're pretty blue. They are. They're, very <laughs> they're pretty blue, blue unless, there's a, unless there's Unless you a, spill a bottle of claret overboard. Unless there's, uh, as there is, as there was just earlier this week, a big... Uh, Incredibly high seas, um, huge floods, floods down the south of Italy and part of Greece, as if the poor bloody refugees don't have enough trouble struggling through terrible waters to get to Greece, mainly to Kos, the island of Kos, because it's close. They've also been hit with these enormous, like, tidal waves. Not, you know, the tsunami, but tidal waves. Mm. And it's... I don't know if they're tidal because there were no tides involved. It's the same thing which caused the terrible stuff in Japan. Something yeah. happened there to one of the plates, one of the tectonic plates. Yeah, and something's gone wrong, and it's happened around the Mediterranean, which is why you see all those poor refugees clambering out of Greece. No, they're not Greeks trying to get out of Greece. Listen, they're poor bloody refugees, the people that we're about to bomb next week. But this, well, well, but we are going to save the Christians, aren't we? Didn't Erica Betts say we'll be saving Christians? <coughs> we're a Christian nation, we're told. Well, so. if they paint some crosses on their heads, yep, we don't bomb them. Well, we have to bomb them to paint to bomb the people next to them without the crosses on their heads. Okay, that makes sense. That's about as logical as Gandhi saying in World War Two when the the Nazis bombed England. If you smite the planes, they won't bomb you. Like planes, just uh, <laughs> there are some uh, there are some very bizarre viewpoints in the world, my dear. Did Gandhi really say yeah, that? Yeah, Gandhi was saying, you know, but you shouldn't fight the Nazis and the fascists. You know, when they're flying over to bomb you, smile at them, and they'll feel guilty and they won't bomb you. Really? Mm. But Gandhi made some sense and spoke a lot of nonsense too. Well, yes, I think he, he was, was a metaphysician. <laughs> metaphysician? He was. He lived in metaphysics. He didn't believe in the material world, he lived in a fantasy world, you know, like gods and sort of razzmatazz, you know. Yeah. Though, though I do like uh, his quote was it about Western civilization. civilization. Yeah. That that made lots of sense. Western civilization. Hmm, that would be a good idea. That would be a good idea. That one I like. I really enjoyed that. Well, that's a great quote. And you know, and I didn't mind the film either. You know that very long film. Ben Kingsley with Gandhi. Yeah, I saw it. Well, I sat there yeah. in that film theatre yeah. for almost three and a half hours yeah. watching this long, 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 yeah. long, very long yeah, so film you said long a few times, about yes. Gandhi. Yeah. And never once did they tell me why the Indians were distressed. They never tell me why 
they were revolting. They never told me why all this was happening. That film, and a fine film though it was, mm. did not tell me once why. It didn't tell me why the English were there. And, I, and you'd think by watching it, you'd think, well, why don't they just go home? Why are they walking you... around with their swagger sticks? Why don't they just say, oh, fair enough, the people don't want us, let's go. Well, I mean, the English, it didn't tell you anything about how England, mainly England, mm. looted and oh, plundered yes. the that, world. That fertile subcontinent, that extremely rich subcontinent of India. It didn't tell you that at all. It just, it, nothing. I thought, well, there's a void. It's Something's missing, my dear. Film, but why doesn't it tell? It should have told me why. I don't want to have a half an hour Marxist bloody dialogue in it. I, I just it. would have liked to have known in this film why the English were there and why they wouldn't to go rape home. and to plunder, and why they wouldn't go home when asked politely. Well, they've gone home now. Now, speaking of going home, yeah, I'm, we've, we've I'm going to go to work soon, not home, because yes. uh, the bag man's on his way, and I believe Irene's on her way too. And there we hear very soon on our radio show. Now, don't forget, listeners, you are listening to Vox Populine. Yes, that's the voice of the people, Radio 3CR. And our show is called Left After Breakfast. And very soon, we have Sunday a fundraiser coming. November. It will be held at Beeve location by dear in St Kilda. The Eco Centre in the St Kilda Botanical Gardens. Come along, please, because if you like listening to the Bagman, to Irene, Susanna, and the rest of the crew here, we need your money to keep us afloat. Because three CR, we're not sponsored by Philip Morris or CUB. We're sponsored by you, our all, listeners. Oh, sugar. We are community radio, Vox Populi. So please come along to our fundraiser, but stay tuned for the Bagman, Susanna, and Irene. And as I depart, what more can I say? And the words, those people who live in Donnybrook and those areas a long time ago would use these words too. Chocula. Chocula. And good morning to Beth, who says she always appreciates you saying chocula. Good heavens, we've spent so much time. Uh, well, I've spent so much time just running around trying to get my my co-hosts here in the proper position to go on with stuff that uh, I almost forgot to turn the microphones on, but it's good to see you standing up, uh, Bagman, and good to see you standing up too, Irene. Good hey, morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Irene Bolter and, and Susan morning, Duffy Bagman. and whatever. They say that the sitting uh, sitting down is the new black, apparently. Not, no, no, no it, it's not the new black. That's yeah. fashion. If you oh. say sitting down, the new black means, oh, we all go out and sit down, baby. So what does it mean then? Sit down is a new smoking. Um, it's a new tobacco. New no, it's to- no, sorry, oh. that's sugar. Sugar is the new tobacco. Mm, mm. Physical what? inactivity oh. kills 18,000 people <clears throat> a year. Oh, I don't know. It hasn't killed me yet. Well, <laughs> that's, doesn't really, that's not really logical. You can say, well, it hasn't killed me yet. But yeah. I mean, it doesn't really mean yeah. anything, does it? Well, it depends on what you're doing while you're sitting down, whether you're just stuffing your face the whole time with the nasty food. You're giving me a very strange look there, Bagman. Oh, no, I I I can't stand up. You know that because I've got the panel to run. You can stand. Even even with your bodgy leg, you can stand. I'm quite happy sitting down, Susan, and being in front of the microphone with, just in case anybody is out there listening to the program, Irene Bolger. Now, you can Google Irene Bolger, Susan Duffy, you can Google Susan Duffy. You can Google me, it's actually Susanna is my Google thing. And you you can find me at bagman55 at hotmail or dennisevans.com if you want to go straight to the website. straight there. Well, of course, Irene can stand because it really makes no difference if Irene sits or stands. I mean, she's only four foot three, isn't she? Oh, four foot eleven and four stone ringing wet. My mother was five foot two. What's that with a Turkish one? Five foot two, eyes of blue. What five foot two has anybody seen my girl? How can we get serious after that? Sorry. Look, uh, last week we were talking about 7-Eleven, the exploitation of workers, uh, mainly from the subcontinent and whatever, and what our role uh, was in their downfall, because we've been saying for 10 to 15 years about the exploitation of 7-Eleven workers and the rorts that uh, they were involved in as far as uh, permanent visas and whatever. Um, So... Um, but fortunately, uh, the ABC picked up the story the other week and uh, ran with it, and uh, now 
Seven um, Eleven is in more shit than a Werribee duck. <laughs> uh, but uh, I wanted to raise another subject with you, something that's close to my heart and also just down the road from me. And uh, I mentioned a couple of statements and people have been in touch with me and parents have been in touch with me. And I'll just give you one example. Uh, this is Crust Pizzas. It's a franchise and they have stores all over Australia. Now, Crust Pizzas have asked me not to mention them uh, on the radio station uh, until they sort out their problems. But Well, don't it, mention them then, okay? You I, don't mention them. I will not mention Crust Pizzas in Sydney Road, Brunswick. But here's the story of a young 15-year-old. I st- I'm 15 years old and started working at Crust in May this year. I worked about five to six shifts, which were mostly on the weekends. I was never paid penalty rates and my wages were deducted for food. Now, there's a a familiar story for you, Susan. Will you have wages with that? Um, They were meant to be half price, but I was charged full price for any food I had. On one occasion, I worked on a Sunday and only got paid $7 for doing a three-hour shift. Now, she probably ate a pizza in that time and they probably charged a full $13. price. $13. <laughs> That's right. But these stories are coming in thick and fast and uh, the, the, the franchisee um, has been in touch with me and the managing director is apparently investigating uh, a lot of these allegations that I've got in front of me. And they say that they take the issue very seriously about the exploitation of young workers. So they didn't know. Yeah, and not paying the award wage and not paying penalty rates. Well, they may not have known. Really? Well, they should have. But they may not have. Well, we have laws in this country. The people... Ignorance of the law is no defence. At a franchise. Well... Other people... Their other little minions, they may not have known what their minions were doing. Well, I mean, the company ought to be telling them what their rights or what the rules and regulations I'm just are. Trying yeah. to be fair minded. Oh, you sound like you're man. being a. You're about to open a franchise at Crust. Yeah, there might be one going. You should be worried. She's worried. Managing director's going to turn yeah. up on our door in a minute. Yes. Well, anyway, <laughs> one of these uh, one of these young women uh, complained to me, and I then complained to uh, Crust Pizzas in uh, Queensland, and they got back to me and said, "Yes, uh, we take it very seriously. We'll try and fix up this." And the young woman who made the complaint, guess what? What? The next the day. Stack. The next day. The employer rung her, abused her, something shocking. A 15-year-old girl. Imagine how fragile she would be after losing her job but then getting the franchisee to ring up and say, you will never get a reference from me um, uh, ever. Um, because you went to the media and you exposed the exploitation that's taking place at Crust Pizza. Now, I'm waiting. Apparently, they've appointed the managing director uh, to investigate the, the the myriad of claims that I've put before them. Uh, but she's not uh, too forthright in coming back uh, and telling me what the, the results of her investigations will be. But I'm sure that you will find there will be hundreds and hundreds of breaches of the of of the award and hundreds and hundreds of breaches uh, of the law um, at these franchise uh, franchisees uh, in uh, Melbourne and all over Australia. Yep. I mean, the problem is, part of the problem is too, is that they're not unionised. It's very difficult to unionise them all, I suppose, but they're not unionised. So well, you know, there are only kids uh, who have got a yeah, job after school and right. want to get and some pocket uh, money and... It's, uh, well, they're open for exploitation, of course basically, they are. of course, and it, it doesn't just happen in those places, of course. And it happens in lots of places. That's right. Well, it happens in all restaurants. And uh, if yep. Kate Carnell from the Australian Chamber mm. of Commerce and Industry is listening, um, she supports um, uh, abolishing penalty rates. Yes, she does. Uh, you know, mm. if only, if only most people she? paid them in the first place, she'd have an argument, yeah. a slim argument, <laughs> yes. um, to uh, to abolishing them. But yes. she stands by and says, that, no, every... Uh, we should abolish penalty rates. Mm. And 95% of the fast food industry, mm. 95% of the restaurant and catering industry do not pay proper 
penalty no. rates. Well, I wonder how much she earns anyway, Kate Carnell. She'd be earning a good wage. Well, she'd be she? on a poultry. She'd be getting yeah. more than a, a nurse that you represented back yeah. in 1986, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she'd be, on a, she'd be on a good whack. So anyway, we're going to keep our eye on this company called Crust Pieces. Well, but we they're only fairly new. <laughs> they're only fairly new oh, and okay. they're fairly exclusive. You don't go in and buy a oh. Domino's pizza at Crust. Now, be careful about what you say about <laughs> Domino's. Well. So you don't get, you, they're exclusive, are they? Yep. they? They have really, really nice, nice, nice pizzas. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look, I wanted actually on slave labor. to talk about something. You can't today. say slave mm. labour. You're a barrister. Uh, I wanted to say something today mm. oh, that's yeah. really been worrying me, really, really worrying me. It's about that Andrew Hasty, you know, the... Oh, the, yeah, the bloke that's standing the, in Yeah, the Canning. SAS bloke standing Oh, oh yes, yes. Now, yes. Um, now, his father is a creationist preacher and, and Hastings' wife also edits the newspaper which deals in creationism. <laughs> A religious newspaper. But when he was asked about his views, he said, "That's got nothing to do with it. It was totally unacceptable acceptable to ask him that, and that um, the politics has nothing to do with religion." Well, look, I'm saying that if anyone wants to argue that a politician's religious beliefs don't affect his or her attitudes to policy, I would like you to consider Tony Abbott. When he said, and I've, I wrote this quote down, I'm trying to read it without my glasses on, when Abbott said, Jesus didn't say yes to everyone. I mean, Jesus knew that there was a place for everything and it's not necessarily everyone's place to come to Australia. That's right. Now, there's your Catholic Prime Jesus Minister. Jesus said it's not everybody's place to come to Australia. No, Tony Abbott said it. I mean, oh, but he said, did he say Jesus yeah, said yes, that? Yes, but, well, what, but <laughs> what's worse is... Oh, well, he's a Catholic. He talks to Jesus. What gets me more is Scott Morrison and his Pentecostal religion. Now, when he... Remember Scott Morrison, he was the Minister for Immigration. Now he's the Minister for alleged benefits from Social Security, allegedly Social Security. Okay. Now, he believes in predestination, a doctrine of predestination. What's that mean? Well... You haven't got a chance. You're born like that. You're stuck there for good. There's oh, no right. way of getting mm. out or moving like, out. No mm. upwardly mobile. You know your place in life. Yeah, yeah. But, oh, but, right. but pretty much like Jesus says, there's a place for everything, and it's not necessarily it everyone's place to come to Australia. Oh. But the do- doctrine of predestination, followed by Morrison's Pentecostal Church, this is what gets me. It, that's this. It claims God has determined whether or not you will be saved. Before even before you're born, right? And your material status in the world, your material status in the world identifies you as chosen Mm -hmm. or rejected. Oh. Seriously. So, you know, so if you have um, wealth standing, uh, wealth and standing, it means that God has chosen you. But I'm born rich. If you have poverty, lack of standing, if you're in misery, that means God has rejected you. In in that light, you can clearly understand Morrison's attitude to the refugees he said yeah. locked up on Manus. Yeah. And you can easily understand, you can see now his attitude to the people, the recipient, you know, like the people on the, you know, the sort of disability uh, payments mm. because it's, this is the Pentecostal predestination. Oh, right. So don't ever think, listener, that religion has nothing to do with politics. It determines exactly how you're going to be. So God determined many years ago, many years ago, that us three would be in the studio at 3CR Friday morning. I don't know whether we're going to be saved or not. I doubt it. I may not have have enough material wealth. Now, look, I have no interest really at all in people's bloody religious practices. Why do you keep talking about it? I don't. But unless they're in a position to affect me and to legislate public policy, when they legislate public policy, I'm interested indeed in the beliefs that they hold. Well, it's like Abbott and and the rest of them on gay marriage and uh, on abortion and all those things. Well, it must have been predetermined that when you came into you came into the world naked, yes. that you would be gay. Or you would be a lesbian, or well, you would be a boy or a girl. Yes. Naked. Well, that's right. Oh, yeah, of course you are. Yeah. But, well, well, I was. I was born with runners on because I was a breech birth. I came yeah, out and I was Oh, you came out the wrong way, did you? Came you know, out got your legs out first. 
you poor mother. Oh, my mum's listening to this program. <laughs> she probably I remembers hope, it very well. Hope I haven't brought I'm back sure any, she any does. painful memories. <laughs> I, I want to say something about uh, violence against women today. Oh God, yes. I, I, can it's, I just say one, just before you go on? Yes. I really am angry with the term domestic violence. Mm. I don't like mm. it. I think Is it's it, just pissy. Just it's, violence. Uh, it's it's violence. But full stop, and it's disgusting violence, and yes. it's going on every day. And yeah, leave out domestic; it makes it mm. trivial. Did I say domestic violence? No, you no, said violence said against violence. women. Yes, mm. against women, um, and it's endemic, and it's getting worse. But even back in 1987, there were 103 murders of women, and uh, and at the moment, like we've had in the last three days or two days, we've had a couple of two women have been murdered. One in particularly terrible circumstances uh, by her ex who ran her off the road and then beat her to death in her car uh, and there is not the government's making vague noises now that there's something has to be done about it well but that happens all the time I'm sick of government saying something has to be done about it and we have to get another report as if nobody knows what's going on and the other problem is, and this uh, is still a problem, even though there have been some moves to deal with it, in that that woman, uh, um, I've forgotten her name, I'm sorry, the one who was murdered in her car, uh, was uh, had tried to get the police to go to her house and they hadn't, didn't go. And this happens a lot. And there, has been, there have been moves where police have got a bit better about this, but I've seen it so many times myself when I was a barrister where they don't turn up. And even when there's been a breach of intervention orders, which is a criminal offence, becomes a criminal offence if you breach an intervention order, they don't turn up. Or if they do, they don't do anything about it. And uh, I, something really has to be done about that because I don't know what the statistics are in the rest of the world, but per capita I would think that we must be up near the top of the list. And, and Next, what is that about? Yeah. You know, Australia and Alaska. Apparently, mm. right. Apparently, we're more interested in, um, you know, a, a pipe bomb that goes off in a park in the southeastern suburbs, or some, you know, some yes. young punk going on uh, Q uh, and A on the ABC. Yeah, then we, then we do about <laughs> violence against women. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned before. You didn't mention before, but Sue's mentioned it. Domestic violence, and the reason I think that's called domestic violence is because. In the old days, and it's still yeah. happening now, yeah. if a wife complained about the the, the hubby uh, beating her up, yeah. the coppers would turn up and say, oh, look, you know, it's yeah. just a domestic, you know. Yeah. Can't yeah. you sort it out yourself? You know, yeah. and, and it's been said um, that uh, as long as you don't hit her with a stick that's uh, no thicker than your thumb, that is sort of acceptable. <laughs> That'd be the old Christian, the old Bible way. coming out there. There was yes. a judge... Um, South Australia. Yes, now, who there was, was a terrible case. When the woman, she was beaten with a baseball bat. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, judgment was that it was all right for the husband to do that because she had refused him sex. That's oh. right. And it's the provocation which has now been done away with in the law, but the law of of uh, a partial defence to murder was provocation. And She uh, provoked me. Well, she said that she liked another man or that I was no good at having sex. She or, said she was going to leave me. Yes, mm, and and mm. I think that case uh, uh, from Armadale that... Uh, the guy just got out of jail recently, actually. His name man, was Ramage. Ramage. Mm. That was the... Well, that was the the one that actually changed the law of provocation mm, mm. in Victoria because... Uh, and I think it was um, the, the fuss that was made about that because what, what he comes to... She, the wife is dead. She's not there to say to say anything. He mm. says, "Oh, she said that you know that I was no good at having. I was terrible mm. at sex." But your mob would still try and peddle that line, wouldn't they? They, you know, well, no. Well, I don't say defense, that. To, I, no, I, I think no, a defence lawyer. Defence uh, lawyers. I find that offensive. Mm. Actually, bad man, you saying that to Irene? <laughs> <laughs> As a defence lawyer, I had to put aside my personal beliefs to defend somebody, mm. and if I have somebody who. Uh, Wants to... Has murdered their wife? That, murdered uh, his wife? Yes, I hadn't done any murder, so I, I can't be accused of uh, of uh, participating in that sort of thing. But you have to, as a defence lawyer, defend your client. And you have to put aside any personal feelings yeah. you might have about rape or about it, anything It's called like off the rank or something, isn't it? It's so cab rank principle. You take the job. You that, take uh, the job. 
um, that comes up, even though you, you well, hate, might hate the person or whatever. Well, well, well I'm putting yes. aside all personal feelings here when I'm speaking on radio. I just want to say that Abbott, I put aside all my personal hatred to <laughs> Abbott by saying that he, of course, has cut all funding to women's refuges. Yes. They have yes. all been closed. Now, before someone leaps up in the Australian federal government and says, hang on, we left two open, I'll say, no, <laughs> I'll say, no, you didn't. Mm. You have, they are now run by the Salvation Army mm. and they are open to men who are homeless mm. and who have alcohol and mm. or drug problems. Mm. Now, do you reckon any woman fleeing from a violent bloody man is going to go to a refuge that has in it alcoholic, drug-taking, mm. homeless men? No. Well, you'd be... I'd say no. Yeah. Well, the other thing I want to say too is that people often say, well, why didn't she leave him? Why didn't she go away? Why didn't she do this? Why Where didn't do she go? do that? As though it's her fault. Mm. Sometimes, yes, as if quite often, fault. you get the man who is so obsessed about it that he will follow yes. her wherever <laughs> she goes. And when he finds her, he'll beat her to death if he can. And I've seen this in the yes. law uh, where you get these women who are terrified. And uh, sometimes a bloke might be locked up and then I've seen when he's going to get out soon and the woman doesn't know what to do. They don't have money often. Obviously, they don't yeah. have anything. They've got children and no money. What do you do? You, have, you can't go and stay in some wacko hotel somewhere. Well, there should um, be a law that says the bloke leaves the house, he gets out, the, the wife and... Children yes. stay in the house. Yeah. Surely that and can be enforced. And then you'd come and murder them anyway, wouldn't you? Yeah. Oh well, yeah, Possibly because he'd know where they well. lived. Yes, he'd yeah. know where they lived exactly. And and I, and if anyone is really wants to get some really good fine points on men murdering women, I would recommend them to Phil Cleary. Well, yes. his sister was murdered. Yes, uh, uh, outside uh, where she worked at a school. The Kinder, yeah, yeah. Kinder. Yeah. Yep, and, and uh, well, he. he used, he used provocation. But he, yeah, he used provocation. He and yeah. Phil Cleary was actually uh, very vocal about the Ramage murder. Mm. Yes, what, it, and uh, Phil's... In, well, yes, and I know that's yeah. affected him. I know of a woman, I had a friend who was murdered by her partner, and that's really in front of... He shot her in front of the two little girls, yeah. in mm. front of them. And I've never forgotten the judge also in uh, Sydney... I wish I could remember these judges' names because I always wanted to know their addresses because I always wanted to go and knock on their door and ask them why they passed such a judgment. When a man in Sydney killed his wife and he left also in front of the children, there were two little boys left without a mother. And uh, the judge there said, finally found him guilty, but he said he would not sentence him to prison because the children had already lost their mother. He didn't oh. want them to lose their father. And I'm saying they didn't lose their mother. He murdered their mother. Yes. I mean, this is, these are the kind of attitudes, and I don't know why men like that, old men like that, are, what are they doing sitting in judgment? Mm. How do they, when do they retire, Irene? 70. Mm. Well, some, some yeah, of but, they, but they unfortunately they live past seventy. They might have to retire at seventy. <laughs> Do they, they have to retire? Is, yes, it's compulsory, yeah, is yeah. it? Yes. Um, so does that mean you have to retire? Just in time to get a pension. Yeah. Would you have to retire if you went to the bench? Yes, but there's so oh. little chance of my going to the bench that well, uh, it's we not don't really. Know. A... <laughs> we don't know, do we? <laughs> but the other thing that happens too, it's not always uh, what some of them do uh, when there's an intervention order. Is they're very subtle about it, uh, but they stalk the person, the the wife or the ex or whatever. And so, if there's an intervention order that says you're not to come within a hundred meters, mm. they'll sit outside at a hundred and one meters. So it's this wearing down of the person yeah. um, that. Uh, so if uh, she is going out to work, if she goes out anywhere, he's sitting up there at 101 metres away. And he knows away. where she's going. And Yes. And if and she walked outside with, um, oh, what could you get? One of the, uh, a gun of some sort, some kind of a sights. weapon. No, not huh? telescope. One of those things you use underwater or something. You know, if she walked out oh, with some kind of, of a weapon. Spear gun. And, yeah, spear gun. And, and she walked up to him and shot him with a spear gun. Well, then she'd be gone for cold-blooded, pre-determined murder, wouldn't she? Yeah. Premeditated murder, wouldn't she? Hmm. Uh, it could be a possible defence. But uh, it would be a difficult one to argue. Couldn't you say? Couldn't you say? Defensive self-defence. Couldn't you say he provoked me? 
No, there's no provocation. Well, anymore. if you know a friend that wants, if, yeah, if you know a friend that wants to do that. Uh, I'd advise her to get in touch with Irene. Oh, if I knew someone does. who wants yeah. to do that, I would yeah. recommend that they employ no, Irene. That, no, that yes, employ Irene, but also get someone else to do it for them. <laughs> a stranger. She's not, you're not um, inciting murder here, are you? Don't no. Oh no, 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 no. I'm, I'm just thinking of. I'm just thinking of a wonderful I film. I'm, I'm thinking. No, of course I'm not. And I'm sorry if any. I'm sorry, listener, if you got that impression. Uh, really, I sometimes my I get angry about You've the, been reading the murders too many and true women. crime books. Mm. I think. Yes, I've been reading too many. But and but I did see a wonderful a film many years ago about these strangers on a train, and they both agreed to kill someone for the other person because they'd never be caught. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And I thought that's an interesting one. I must keep that in mind. Anybody yeah. who's associated with Susanna oh. needs to keep this in mind. And don't, don't get on train with her for with Christ's her. sake. No. <laughs> no, sorry, I would never do that. It, isn't no. it amazing when someone wants to bump off their partner? Yeah. Um, they always employ a hitman. Yeah. Who turns out to be an undercover cop. An undercover. So that happens so often. <laughs> you just it's unbelievable, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> Golly, well, if you're going to... Oh, no, I can't go into that. If you're going to do it... can't even trust a hitman these days. No. (laughs) Where do you find a good one? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) Well, fortunately for me, I've never been married and I've never, you know, got into that. Had the urge? Well, no, but I probably would be in jail if anybody hit me. That would be the first and last time, I'm afraid. This is why, yeah, I've got a great admiration for people like Rosie Rosie Batty. Batty, You know, whose son died in those tragic circumstances. Whose son was murdered in those tragic circumstances. By the father. Yeah. And she's been named Australian of the Year, but she keeps going and she keeps going. And she's done fantastic. pushing this thing about domestic violence. Yes. And Uh, as you said. Violence against women. Violence against women. Sorry, and as you said uh, before, you know, there's just too much of it is going on. Governments promise to do things. Yeah, they've, they've promised by cutting all funding to women's refuges. Mm. Yeah, but I... they've always got to have another, yeah, um, set up another committee to have a look at Maybe it. Maybe even a royal commission this time. I mean, I, mm. I could sit down in about a couple of hours and work out a whole mm. process for what you should be doing. See, I could have five Bob each way here and say that um, every, every man that murders his wife... Mm or to be sentenced to life imprisonment. Um, Mm -hmm. But... um, But then again, the problem with that is that sentences are not not necessarily a deterrent. The the law does recognise that uh, sentences are a deterrent, but um, in matters like this, when when somebody is violent and angry, they don't think, oh, I might go to jail for life. They don't sit around thinking... What's going to happen? They 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 do it. And the other point I was going to make about uh, the, the the man going to jail for the rest of his life, mm. I still believe it's every prisoner's right to try and escape. Oh, okay. Um, does this go into the prisons? Are you inciting escaping from prisons? <laughs> no, they've had <laughs> enough riots out there recently without me. Uh... <laughs> Anyways, it's, it's 9.59. I can't imagine how the time's how gone so quickly. Oh, Everybody must be riveted. And, and, and we'd better get out of here, yes. Yeah. He well, hasn't come in, though. No, but it's time for us to be out. Yeah. Well, let's go out the same old way, then. Why not? Dare to struggle. Dare to win. If you don't fight, you, you lose. lose. Good morning from left after <laughs> breakfast. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.